Welcome to the River D Centre podcast. Listen back to the Sunday worship message recorded live in our church building in Flint, North Wales. thank you address it's not a preach so you're all right Kev don't don't notch this up as one of the preachers okay um, but it is great to be here we didn't invite uh, all and sundry uh, just my brother Phil and, and uh, Judy as well let's give them a welcome from King's Church so I know Phil and Judy have been on the journey with us for so long uh, so it was just great that you've been able to come along this morning uh, praise God. Uh, <clears throat> myself and Jane were always very reluctant leaders. You might not think that, but that's true. Uh, many, many times we were asked, uh, do you ever want to be pastors and leaders of your own church? And the, the sharp, quick answer was no. We just want to be on a team with someone else leading. And that's all we ever wanted to be. Um, I later found out that we were in good company of reluctant leaders as I read the Bible. Thinking of Moses, I preached a great sermon, one, well, I thought it was a great sermon, on the butts of Moses. But, but Lord, I can't speak very well. But Lord, my brother's better. Let's send him, send Aaron. You know, <clears throat> and thinking about Jeremiah, my first sermon <clears throat> uh, was on the call of Jeremiah. And that was preached uh, in the Baptist Church in Shotton. I think, Phil, you might have been there. And I preached on uh, the call of Jeremiah. And his problem was that he felt he was too young. And he argued with God as well, a bit like Moses. You know, who am I? I'm just a, a child almost. Why send me? But God said, you know, I'm sending you to speak to the nation. And then we've just read the book of Jonah, not forgetting Jonah. What a reluctant leader he was. God told him to do something and he just ran as far as he could away from God. And sometimes, you know, we do that when God asks us to do something. Um, but obviously Jonah came back through thick and thin, the ups and downs, praying that fantastic prayer in the belly of the fish. And he called out to God. You know, me and Jane, we just, we just didn't think we were good enough or we were right and you know what we were that that's true we weren't good enough and we were not right but the thing is God doesn't call the qualified he qualifies the called and there came a point where we couldn't say no anymore and you might be you know maybe Ben Elizabeth and the team are going to raise up a new team uh, new people asking them to do new things and you might say no but if God is on your case, then you will have to say yes one day, sooner or later. Let it be sooner. Going back, our Christian lives started a decade or so earlier. Jane was converted 
uh, in the Shotton Baptist Church under the sermon of the sower. Um, I don't know whether, Julie, you were there that day. I don't know. You could have been. Um, I was converted uh, at 20 years old, uh, just a little time after Jane, uh, reading The Cross and the Switchblade, uh, a great uh, book there that spoke about young lads getting saved, getting down on their knees, asking the Lord into their life uh, in, in New York. And I read the book and thought, you know what? This is me. I, I can do this. I, I know I want the Lord. And I know uh, that the Lord can save me. And I got down on my own in my bedroom and asked the Lord into my life. And from that moment on, uh, my life changed. Um, we were soon baptized in water and then we got married and we made a decision all those 45 years ago that as a married couple, we would read the Bible and pray together every day. And um, I think we've done that nearly every day. And if you think that's easy, then just try it. You know, you just, you just have a go, you know. When you've had that little tate or tate, that little argument, and then you get into bed and you're thinking, all right, I've got to read the Bible now and we've got to pray together, you know. It's a great healer and something that really keeps you. You know, you don't have to do it at the end of the day. You could do it at the beginning of the day or whatever. We also promised ourselves that we would seek first the kingdom of God and put the kingdom of God first. If we, if we were given a car, we'd, we'd pray, we'd give this car to the kingdom. If we've got a house, then we're going we're gonna to open it up to the kingdom. You know, if we've got any spare time or we've got any desire, we're going to give that to the kingdom. And uh, we also sought the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we did receive um, later on. As a new Christian in the Merchant Navy, I felt wrong and uncomfortable. I, I'd served uh, four and a half years uh, training to be a marine engineer. I've been to sea and all sorts. And I just, I just knew as a, a new born-again Christian something was wrong. I just couldn't, I didn't want it. Uh, praying all day, one day in the ship's cabin, I handed, went and handed my notice in and gave up my career as a marine engineer. No money, no job, we started our new married life. This was the first and one of the biggest steps that we took being led of the Holy Spirit. But the Lord was with us. Our 20s were spent working and raising family and tentatively stepping out in very small ways in the Christian life. Not much happened in our 20s, really. Um, after being baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, we left the conventional churches. Uh, we left the Baptist church. We left churches. We, we just, you just couldn't find people who wanted the Holy Spirit and were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so we ended up in a small house group uh, with, in our house and in the house of another family, a family that we still uh, meet and um, are in contact with today, uh, Mervyn and Kath. And we prayed fervently for many years. And I know Julie was with us, uh, Phil was with us, um, different ones were there in this small group. And after six years... Well, we prayed fervently that God would do something in Deeside. That was our prayer. We prayed for so long, praying, 
that God would do something in Deeside. Now, after six years, the house group just came to a natural end. And um, after praying and fasting one day, there was just Jane, Elvie, Jane's mum, and myself. And we felt that God was drawing us to Calvary Church Prestatin. Uh, more pointedly, uh, Warwick Shenton, uh, this man that uh, Jane's mum had known many years before. And uh, I just think, you know, this was like a chance meeting, what I thought may be a chance meeting, but the Lord instilled upon me that this was more than a chance meeting. Is there any such thing as a chance encounter or coincidence with God? And I, I have to say, no, I don't think so. But this is the point I want to make here, is you can miss it. You can miss that moment that God is making a difference in your life, a chance encounter. Uh, it might be with the Holy Spirit, it might be with the Word of God, it might be a sermon that you've heard, it might be someone of the power of God that's in that person, that you're going to meet that person, and something is going to change. And I knew, I, I knew that that was not going to, it was going to be more than just a chance encounter when we were going down to Prestatin and meeting Warwick. I think of the disciple Nathaniel uh, meeting Jesus. Philip brought Nathaniel and, and, and Jesus looked at Nathaniel and said, you know, I saw you under a tree. And it just seems like insignificant. But Nathaniel said, you're the son of God. I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. And he grabbed that chance encounter. Uh, I think about Lydia who was praying by the river. And Paul comes along on his missionary journey. And he speaks to her. And Lydia just took that chance and believed. And brought Paul, this godly man, back to her house. And from then on she was a believer. And lastly I think of the Ethiopian eunuch. Where there's this... Philip, uh, can you imagine this, Phil, running up by the chariot, jumping in and talking to the Ethiopian eunuch? And that chance encounter changed the course of that young man's life. He went back, and we know, uh, you can read in the history books, the Ethiopian Christian church is believed to have come from that chance encounter in that chariot. You know, our feet didn't touch the ground very quickly there was another house group meeting in our home and in other places, led by Warwick and others from the Prestatin Church. They were so encouraged uh, and encouraging towards us. And, you know, we had the opening of uh, the church and 50 people, or 60 people came from that Prestatin Church to come uh, to Deeside to, to come and help us. Uh, this was quickly followed the planting of a church. The church was planted uh, in our house, uh, Deeside Christian Fellowship, uh, some past members here. Um, and there was a pastor quickly from Bible school that came to be with us and a building. And that kind of happened so quick. It was unbelievable, really. Uh, and a few short years later, that pastor uh, up and left as well. So we, were, we had this congregation, a building, a church, an established uh, church with no uh, pastor. And as elder, uh, we had to look for someone to come in again as a new pastor. 
after looking in vain, myself and Jane suddenly felt the call of God, contrary to our saying, no, we don't want to be the lead pastor, the lead uh, of the church. We felt the call of God to become the new pastor and wife. And after looking in vain, you know, that's what happened. Um, God called us to that pastoral role. We waited, though. We waited. We didn't tell anyone. And we waited until the Lord had told others to get the same confirmation. And lo and behold, God did that. And one or two came up to us and said, why don't you, you know, take on the pastoral role? Why don't you become the leaders? And so we were just um, 35 years old. Warwick came down. Such a great guy, Warwick. We, we, we remember every sermon he ever preached, I think. Um, he came down. Um, he accepted. Uh, he, he led the church in accepting us as leaders. He laid hands on us and he prayed for us. I, I, I think you were there, Phil. I'm sure you can remember that. And um, he preached. Warwick gave a sermon. And I can remember the sermon. Do you want to know what the sermon was? He said, do you want to be, what, what kind of church do you want to be? Do you want to be a small-minded village church type thing? Or do you want to be a city-minded, outward-facing church? And he went into some detail. And, uh, you know, a small-minded church fosters people who say, uh, you can't sit here. This is my chair. Ooh. Can you imagine someone coming in now as a visitor and they sit on Maya's chair and Maya comes to them and says, you can't sit here. This is my chair. How do you think they would fit? Maya is the last person in River D who would say that. I know Maya's heart. But can you imagine that? And how? So that is a small-minded... Uh, small-minded thinking uh, Christian church would say this, we're all the same here. We're all like each other. So we don't want you because you're not like us. People in a small-minded church won't spend money on the gospel outreach and they'll keep the pastor poor because that's what they used to do in the small-minded village type church. Deeside Christian Fellowship ran for 15 years. It was disbanded when we formed uh, the new thing here. But during those 15 years, there was in me a growing and desperate desire to go full-time in the ministry. I was running the church and working full-time as a steel worker. I can remember some lonely night shifts stealing away in between some of the big buildings and praying and looking up to the stars and kicking the girder in frustration. When am I going to go full-time, Lord? What can I do? When will it happen? Because I knew the church was being held back and, and wanted, needed somebody full-time um, to go. So at 45, in, when I was 45, in 2003... I took voluntary redundancy and started full-time church ministry. So we now had some money from the redundancy, but no real salary. 
So we be we began again, really. And uh, the thing is, like before, God was with us. God was with us. We we never looked back. Soon after that, pretty soon after that, one or two years, I was asked to run the Flint Church. Now, uh, Janice, was you was you here? I think you were here. Yeah. So probably Janet was the one, only one here uh, from that original Flint church. And to me, to us, to me and Jane, this was a big breakthrough. It was a step up, and both the two churches uh, ran for around a year, Deeside Christian Fellowship and the River Dee Community Church. Uh, for nine months here in the original church with the original people, there wasn't many, there was about 10 or 15-ish people. Um, it was very busy because all of a sudden there was other people from other church coming to help. And, but it was very busy, but it culminated after nine months in very severe opposition. Uh, very severe opposition from the local folk here, bless them. And also the death of Clive uh, that I wanted to mention. You know, there was never a thought of leaving the ministry in Flint. But when I look back, I wonder what stopped us from just walking away that day when there was such opposition and when such personal tragedy was happening all around us. Uh, but we didn't. In March 2006, River D Community Church was founded. Hooray! River Dee Community Church was founded and we just met as a leadership and uh, I think it was Keith Anthony. Anybody remember Keith Anthony? And he said we need to put community in the name. And um, I, I felt that, you know, the other church uh, was, was down in Deeside backing onto the River Dee. This church physically is backing onto the River Dee. We could see the River Dee corridor as being important for a Pentecostal church. And so I felt we, we needed to call it River Dee uh, Community Church. Um, two churches joined together and there was a few other folk as well uh, joined and we never looked back. We really didn't look back from that moment on. You know, it's been a privilege to serve here at River Dee. And when we came... Um, to Flint, we made a decision, especially when River Dee was founded, not to hold back when we came here. We knew what the vision frame was. We knew what the picture was, the, the frame. And we felt that whatever was going to fit into that frame, someone walked in, oh, should we do, yeah, uh, yes, we'll do it. Or if God speaks to us, yes, we will do it. If it fits into that vision frame, then we were going to say yes because we'd said no long enough. Maybe there's some of you here this morning that have been saying no too long. And today is the day when you need to say yes. Whatever God is calling you to or saying or niggling away at your heart, maybe the day is to say yes. Um, have you ever watched that film with the kid yesterday? If you haven't watched it, don't watch it with the kids. Don't watch it. Because they'll be wanting a yes day, you know. 
The Bible says all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. God wants us. You know, it's too easy to say no, isn't it? There's no commitment. There's no, no, no bother. There's no pain. It's harder to say yes. But God wants us to say yes. Uh, some things that have helped me and Jane stay the course here at River D, and especially for Ben Elizabeth and leadership and whatever you're doing in the fellowship, however you're serving in the fellowship, these things uh, might help you along the way. Firstly, remember where you started when you hardly had nothing and no one. All you had was the Lord. I'm reminded of that scripture. When you enter the land flowing with milk and honey, the land of promise, don't forget me, don't forget the Lord. We've seen so many people walk in, got nothing. They meet the Lord and suddenly their life blossoms and then they've gone. It's like the ten lepers, one came back. He said, where's Jesus? Where's the rest? Why haven't they come back to thank me for healing them? And very often the one that came back was the one he didn't expect to stay and thank the Lord. Remember where you've come from and give thanks to God and don't forget where God has brought you from and to. Um, secondly, the calling that we had just kept calling. When you lose the call, you're finished. God calls us. He calls us to be Christians. He calls us to be followers. When you lose that call to, to follow the Lord, it's finished. It's gone. The calling needs to keep calling. And if it's being called to leadership for that season that God is calling you, then let the call call and keep you where you are. And maybe God is calling someone here this morning to leadership. Uh, don't, don't ignore that calling. Uh, thirdly, and this is a quote from Warwick. He said, the heart of a pastor will see the 99 people in the room, but he can't stop thinking about the one that's not there. When me and Jane go home after a great Sunday, we don't sit back on our little chairs and have a cup of coffee and say, oh, there were 60 people in the church today, wasn't it great? We don't do that. We never have done. We go home and we think, oh, where's Josie? Where is Josie? How is Josie? She's got a cold. She hasn't been for a few weeks. We think about those that are not here and think, well, I wonder why they haven't been for three weeks. Let's give them a ring. Let's find out. Does anybody else know? Are they poorly? Are they in hospital? You know, times have changed, haven't they? We, not everyone comes every week to church, and I'm not pointing the fingers at anyone. No. Not everyone comes to church every week now for different reasons. Uh, years ago, if you hadn't come to church for three weeks, you'd gone to another church, you'd stop becoming a Christian, or you were dead, because everyone came every week. Can I implore you to come every week, to come and be here? And, you know, it says in the Bible, doesn't it, don't forget uh, to, to gather together, to not, do not forsake the gathering together of the assembly. After all, we are 
the assembly of God denomination, aren't we? Um, another quote from Paul Scanlon. Now, I, I don't know Paul Scanlon very much. I know one or two have heard him speak and have been there uh, when he was ministering up north. And Paul said this, and this might sound a little bit blasé, a little bit, really? And he said this, there's a lot of wisdom in this for pastors and for leaders. Church is like a bus. People get on and people get off. I thought, wow, okay. <laughs> oh, Elizabeth was expecting something more then. <laughs> uh, people, uh, church is like a bus. People get on and people get off. And it saves, it saved my pastor's heart from being broken so many times. When so much time and love and effort is given and then they leave the church. And it's, it's hard. Now, I don't know if some people have got that pastoral heart and they come up to me and said, where's so-and-so? And I have to tell them the story, you know, of what's happened. Well, they've left the church. Um, if they've gone to another church, praise God. If they're still following the Lord, praise God. And that's what the pastor's heart has got to be. We're not building River D kingdom. We're building the kingdom of God. And so if people go to another fellowship, fantastic. If they carry on uh, following the Lord, fantastic. Uh, the sad thing is when people just fall away from Jesus. Uh, but it will save your heart. And, you know, people get on, people get off for all different reasons. And that has helped my heart to stay in one piece um, again uh, our gratitude me and Jane our gratitude for the people God gave us who have stayed with us because they love the church and they love us as leaders uh, I want to just speak about that you know I think it's more you might disagree with this I think it's more important to try and love your leaders in the local church more than what the church does or what the church is like. I'll explain. You know, I've heard many times, oh, I love my church, but I can't stand the pastor. And I think, what's the use of that, you know? I love my church, but I can't stand the pastor. You know, if you love your leader... And you, you, you know, sometimes you, you really have to work through that to love those who lead you. Then you'll be more likely to forgive them when you find out their human frailty. And that not every leadership decision is, is a good decision or works. Sometimes there's leadership decisions that, you know, are rubbish. But if you love the leader, then you will forgive them and you will stay and you will stay and continue to love the church and its people because you love the leaders. And it's, it's biblical. You can find a scripture that says that. To love those who lead you. So in conclusion, I commend Ben and Elizabeth and the leadership to you. And to love them, to pray for them, and to be a blessing to them. Offer to help them. The working 
the church working week is relentless. It's Monday, Tuesday, Sunday. And Ben's already said that a few times. Can't be Sunday again. Monday, Tuesday, Sunday. It is relentless. And maybe your week is like that anyway, where you work and your family. Any little and faithful help will go a long way to smooth out the way of church and how it works. You know, it's music to a pastor's ear when someone says, I want to help. But then they say, oh, it's just for this week. You know, <laughs> I want to help, but I want to be a, a faithful help. I want to I help you every week. I want to do this little thing. I'm going to do it so that it helps the church flow and work. Uh, ben and Elizabeth will do some things differently and they will also do different things as well. But I feel, I do feel that the, the River D DNA is there and will still run through. And, um, you know, we've had this prolonged um, transition, hopefully for it to be seamless and for it to work. Our aim was always to hand over a functioning church, a church where there are people in the church <laughs> and some ministries, uh, to hand over debt-free and to have some in the bank so as not to be a burden to the next generation. And we, we, if you don't know, we have done that by the grace of God and we do thank the Lord for that. A minister once said that he would never do that he would never hand over a church debt-free. He would hand it over with a mortgage and with some debt, just so that the leadership would operate in faith. Well, that hasn't happened. But my heart is that you will operate in faith anyway. And that faith will be for new vision, new outreaches, new mission, and new growth here at River D. Okay, we haven't got a mortgage, everything's debt-free, and we've got a bit of money in the bank. Go for it. That's my, that was our heart, and that was always what we wanted to do. Whether that's right or wrong, we'll be judged by the way forward. I want to thank everyone, past and present, who have positively helped and given of themselves to River D. So I'm thinking of all those great people who've been with us and have moved on for different reasons and have passed away for different, at different times, you know. Um, but those who have positively helped and given themselves to River D. And especially the leadership and those in specific lead roles and all those who help on the little things and the big things. All those who have given to the fellowship of their time, effort, and of their finances as well. I want to thank all the national ministry guys. You know, we could have invited them all today, and I'm sure some of them, quite a few would have come, because they're just that type of people. We think of Rob Jones in particular, uh, Martin Allen, who would be wonderful to know that people were talking about Caleb this morning, uh, Rob Burns, Julian Sarah. You know, the list just goes on and on. The local ministers... Um, John Partington still in contact with John um, lots and lots of guys who've helped us uh, through the years 
And I know these guys have put stuff in River Dee that have catapulted us, literally catapulted us. We think of our wonderful friends in America, uh, Jeff and Dale and the different ones, and I think they've already asked us to book the hotel <laughs> for next year. So they love Wales, you know. Um, isn't, isn't it Ryan Reynolds? He's, he's bought a house here, isn't he? Near Wrexham, yeah, go for it, yeah. Um, all of those. Um, I want to thank Jane. Um, you know, you, I couldn't have done that. <laughs> and has made me look good and made River D look good. And, you know, it has made River D function in so many ways. And it's made it legal as well in so many ways. I think uh, if I'd have been running the show, it might have fallen below the legal level many, many, many times. Um, and lastly, I want to thank the most the Father, Son and the Holy Ghost.